to the Travel Squad podcast. We adventure the world together, one passport stamp at a time. We're here to share travel news, tips, and our own adventures with you. Every Travel Tuesday, we share stories on a variety of topics, including our hometown, San Diego, hiking, weekenders, national parks, international getaways, and inspiring you to go on your own adventures, even if it starts with your own backyard. I'm Jamal. Brittany. And I'm Kim. And And we're we're the the Travel Travel Squad Squad Podcast. Podcast. So grab your ticket and your passport. And don't forget your travel insurance. And prepare for takeoff. Hello, fellow travelers. Hey, squaddies. Welcome to this week's episode of the Travel Squad Podcast. Today, we are taking you to Charleston, South Carolina for a charming southern day. Charleston, it's known for its cobblestone streets, which are super cute, horse-drawn carriages, and its pastel antebellum-style houses. Charleston was a very unique experience for us. If you remember our previous episode that we had talking about Savannah, once we were done with Savannah, we continued our southern road trip and headed a little bit north up one state here to South Carolina to go to Charleston. We've seen lots of stuff online about Charleston, heard about its charm, wanted to explore it. As a matter of fact, in 2016, Travel and Leisure Magazine ranked Charleston, South Carolina, the best city in the world. Now, if I'm going to be completely honest, I think Travel and Leisure is overselling it a little bit right there. I definitely would not put it in the category of Mm -hmm. best city in the world. But there is lots of history and unique charm to Charleston. It was founded in 1670. And its name was originally Charlestown in honor of King Charles II. And if you remember, again, to our previous episode, Charleston also had a major role in the Civil War. And as a matter of fact, the first shots of the Civil War were fired here in Charleston, South Carolina. Irony of it all is Charleston surrendered. And a month after Charleston surrendered during the Civil War, the Civil War was over. So it's almost like it started and ended in the city, so to speak. But it had very unique charm to it that I really liked. But coming from Savannah, I will say that I was expecting more Southern charm, whereas when I was here, I felt more like New England colonial was kind of the style, even though we were in the South. I was getting old money, Mm -hmm. old South, very much vibes here. It was very slow, charming. I just got old money and Savannah was like young and fun and equal amounts of history and gorgeous architecture. But Charleston just felt like a much slower pace coming out of Savannah. I feel like Savannah, it was like you could be there solo. You could be there with a family. It was like younger. But then when Charleston, it was like the older crowd that was there. It was a slower pace for sure. Yes, you had to sit with a posture (laughs) in Charleston. And it's funny, though, you mentioned that kind of like the old money. When you look at the architecture of the homes, again, some of it is very southern oriented. But a lot of it, I again, I felt like more like New England colonial style kind of had that vibe to it. But it is because of all the money of the plantation owners that they had back there in the day. And so it gives the city a unique architecture, that is for sure, but definitely a lot more laid back than coming from Savannah as we did. We still enjoyed the city, but I do think if we had experienced Charleston first, maybe we would have liked it more, but coming from Savannah, like it was just, I don't want to use the word letdown, but like it was fun, but we were ready to go after the fact. I would say a little underwhelmed because I was really hyped on Charleston. And I did a ton of TikTok research. That's why you can't believe everything on TikTok, Kim. (laughs) Exactly. And according to TikTok, Charleston seemed like it had more to do than Savannah. Travel and leisure thought so also. (laughs) (laughs) One thing I will say, though, is that in Savannah, we got in on a Saturday. We got into Charleston on a Monday. So that could have had something to do with it. Yeah, it was a little bit slower. There wasn't as much going on. But I do want to dive right into some of the tips that we have on Charleston to just give a good overview and then dive into some of the things that we did. So first tip we have for you is that you do have to pay to park within the city, either at meters or at a garage. So just keep that in mind. When we first arrived, we did park at some meters. Um, And there is a time limit of like two to three hours if you park at a meter. And then, of course, you could park at a garage and do it by hour. It's really hot in Charleston. Surprise, surprise. I mean, you're in the South. I was (laughs) going to say, you have that just humidity of the South. And it was definitely abundant there. And I, I do feel like we felt it more in Charleston because, again... 
in Savannah, and I hate to keep going back and kind of like doing that comparison, but again, you had more tree-lined streets. So Mm -hmm. even though it was humid, you were shaded, there's a lot less shade in the area here in Charleston, at least in the areas that you're going to walk. Now, when we went into the neighborhoods of the houses to see old colonial style and Southern style homes, like it was definitely more tolerable, but general walking area in the sun, you're going to feel that heat and humidity more. Yeah. So as a tip, just remember a hat, sunscreen, those things come in handy. A fan. Oh, I'd highly recommend a hand Mm -hmm. fan. You know, you have to plan your outfits like, is this going to give me swamp ass or not? I wore a tan colored romper and the whole time I was like, swamp ass check. And I was good. It, it had flashbacks to me of when we were in the Everglades, Kim. And I was like, is this what you actually wore? And like, no, 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 no. I, I didn't wear like the romper, but I wore pants or shorts of that same color. And it's like, oh, that's right. And you were clear in Florida and you were clear in Charleston here two with that two. little tan romper. But I, a slight concern. I thought to myself, uh, shit, was, it could be wild. I was out here. highly concerned. Yeah. There were some swamp back situations. I had a swamp back. <laughs> <laughs> and the irony is, Brittany was wearing like a white romper and you could see it in hers. But the tan one, you know, uh, Kim avoided it. I feel like I overheat easily, though. So I did. I didn't have swamp ass. Thank God. So it didn't look like I pissed myself. But yeah, there was a damp area on my back. And Kim was like, you got swamp back. You got swamp back. I'm like, oh, my God. Thanks, Kim. At least it didn't go from the small of your back to the top of your crack, Brittany. <laughs> Diverted that one. Yeah. So just make sure you're planning your outfits accordingly. Wear something that really breathes, pack lightweight, especially if you're going in the summer. And we were there in May and it was pretty warm when we were there. You also want to bring mosquito repellent. I did get quite a few mosquito bites, not just in Charleston, but on this whole Southern trip. So pack it on. You never know when they're going to come out until it's too late. And definitely do your research on what sites it is that you want to see in the city. Lots of things actually close early. We discovered this in the South. Like I feel like five o'clock, four o'clock, lots of things actually close, which I find to be really, really odd, especially lots of tourist things and Mm -hmm. activities. So do your research. What was it that we wanted to do that actually closed early? And we were like, oh, well, if we knew that we would have gone to it first on our way into town versus like later, what was it we were trying to do? There were two things. Actually, we wanted to go to the Angel Oak Tree and the Cypress Gardens. And we're going to dive into those a little bit more later in the episode. But they both closed at five o'clock. And had we known that they closed so early, we may have gone there first done those and then maybe done our walking tour later when it has cooled off which no one is to blame because we usually do heavy research going into like our trips but again i don't think any of us really expected to look at closing time being like Mm mid-afternoon you know what i mean yeah so you guys are going to learn from us if you are attempting to go to charleston do these activities earlier in the day and then do the walking tour later in the day when it maybe gets a little dusky cooler not as hot yes so We suffered so you don't have to. (laughs) And then another tip that we learned was that you can't drink even on the beaches here in Charleston. If you are caught drinking on the beach, you would actually get fined. Another reason Savannah is cooler than Charleston. There you go. (laughs) So we're going to jump on into our episode. When we arrived at Charleston and we went ahead and started with a self-guided walking tour. And it was just something that we kind of found online and just added some stops in there that we wanted to see. So we parked as close as possible to like the Pineapple Fountain Park and And when we actually got to that park, there was a fountain on the north end. And I was trying to look up the name of that fountain and there really wasn't a name for it. It was just a fountain on the north end. But what we did learn is that the fountains in the park, you can actually wade in the water. And that fountain... Because it's so fucking hot out there, I'm sure. Mm Mm-hmm. If you um, are in that area, you can get some really cool photo shots. Yeah, and just for a little bit of geographical context, Charleston is on the water. There's a nice little small bay, and then you're right there to the Atlantic Ocean. So this area where we started our walking tour is right on the harbor on the water that's part of the bay. And so it's a very nice park. They actually had a very nice tree-lined portion of that with like the benches and everything. And then they had like two very famous fountains that's on that boardwalk promenade, if you will. So that's where we started. And then 
the girls cool down a little bit by taking off their sandals, flops, and kind of getting in. I had tennis shoes. I didn't want to take it off and do socks, and it's kind of Take weird. it off. I mean, I guess I should have in hindsight. It wasn't too hot in that moment, but if the fountains came on the midway through our walk, I would have for sure done it. But early <laughs> on, getting out of the AC, I was like, ah, I'm kind of good for right now. So That waterfront park was really nice. It's they pretty, had, huh? Yeah, they had a ton of benches that did have a lot of tree coverage, so you can chill there and read a book. And how much cooler would it have been if it was open alcohol and you could have had your beer or something sitting in hand in that park so again we were spoiled coming from savannah but still charming here no doubt but we did want to stop by the pineapple fountain and the pineapple fountain is beautiful it's a nice big fountain you can also wade into this as well looks out to the ocean and surprise surprise the fountain's a pineapple (laughs) if you didn't catch the name (laughs) little fun fact about charleston and the south in general there's pineapples everywhere so we were like what is it with the pineapples we looked it up and apparently it's a symbol of southern hospitality. hospitality there you go so makes sense but we went to the pineapple fountain early in the day maybe around 11 ish and the sun really washed out the fountain like the pictures that we were going to get it was actually getting pretty warm too there were more people there so we actually ended up going back kind of towards golden hour and that was the perfect time to go to the pineapple fountain so again had we plan this a little bit differently or as you plan this trip make sure you go kind of towards golden hour the sun's not washing out the fountain you're going to get really pretty views the sun's setting the sky is changing different colors and you're going to get better pictures one of the really famous things to do and see in charleston is rainbow row now again this is close to that park area where we started along the harbor that has the fountains and it's very very famous for the homes that have very bright colors hence the name rainbow row but there are all these classic homes from what like the 17 1800s even mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as a matter of fact and so it's really unique to see that type of architecture and then just with the bright vibrant colors that they have so that was the next highlight that we saw on our walking tour on the major to-dos that's recommended i do want to bust tiktok versus reality rainbow row is probably 10 houses yeah i was expecting like a row of amazing colorful houses and it just underwhelmed so would you say you were let down by the 10 houses on rainbow row kim they were beautiful 10 houses i just was expecting more well i'm gonna equate this to a previous episode we had when we were talking about Mammoth Cave National Park in Kentucky, and we actually used Nashville as a hub, and I couldn't even (laughs) believe that people loved Nashville and Broadway Street when it was literally two Two blocks. blocks. So as you were underwhelmed with Rainbow Row and how TikTok made it to be, everything I heard of Nashville and that. So it's like one of those things, you know, cities are famous for certain things, but then when you get there, sometimes reality is different than what you expect. So I guess if you know that going into it, you could be more prepared and not be let down and enjoy it more, Mm -hmm. right? Exactly. I also feel like it was really hard to get a picture of Rainbow Row because to really see it, you're across the street, but then you get all of the cars and like other things in the picture. So then you go up and you stand on the same block as it or like on the same side of the street as it. And then it's really hard to get pictures because you can only really in your frame get like two or three houses, which really doesn't do it the justice. And so it's beautiful to walk down it, but the way that it's like pictured and described and like things that you see online or on TikTok, I feel it was a bit more hyped than it really was. The irony of it is one of the streets that's perpendicular to Rainbow Row actually has homes that look really colonial style. Again, going back to where I said, I feel like more like New England style. And those were more appealing to me and they weren't bright colored because they looked a little bit more historic. And here they are just kind of like right there next to Rainbow Row. And I thought they were cooler, but definitely worth seeing. Again, just know what you're getting into going into it. So you don't have that disappointment, which then leads to potential underwhelm. We also went by the high battery, which is like a raised area right on top of the beach. And so you see like these massive bluestone slabs that elevate you 
above the beach. You can look down and across the water, you can see Fort Sumner from there. We didn't do a walking tour, a historic walking tour on this trip, but I did catch wind of another one that we were standing by. And they said in this area of this like waterfront walk, which was really cool if you were a local, I think it'd be a great place to walk. But what he was saying was that one of the first shots in quotes that went off during that war was actually a misfire and it exploded something and that's kind of what like started this battle but it, of the civil war because yes. the first shots were fired at fort sumner which is the military fort that's in the bay right there so i caught tailwind of that kind of historic tour that he said also was like the misfire so not that the civil war was an accident so to speak but maybe the first shots were truly unintended and then it started that back and forth and i do regret not doing one of those historic walking tours i think that would have added more interest to the city that we just didn't get to see just reading the placards everywhere right and one thing i was going to say is what is nice about the city is there are a lot of placards that you could read things about but it can be kind of boring to stand there and just read stuff my retention isn't as strong in reading as it is in storytelling you need right. a great orator to get you yeah captivated. get me going yeah so potentially doing a walking tour, a historical one, I would highly recommend. I think that would have been better for us. So these homes from the 16 and 1700s, Kim, are they old enough to get your juices flowing? Ancient ruin status, even though they're not ruins, ancient homes. You know, my sweat was flowing, but not my juices. Okay, okay. But they were. They were beautiful, beautiful homes. And I loved that you could read about them. It was talking a lot about this person's name and who this person was influential during that time, which none of those names really meant anything to me, though. Yeah, they didn't necessarily mean anything when you read it. But to your point of what you're saying, when you do the walking tour, it does take you into neighborhoods of homes. And there are placards on it from the Historical Society of Charleston. And so they talk about, again, the people who lived in these homes, certain homes that survived like multiple fires that they've had throughout the city, other stuff of who were famous people and socialites of the time. Diplomatic discussions between the North and the South happened in this one. That was kind of cool. Right. So I do think in a sense, also, we feel like we were let down on research and the overhype that people talk about Charleston. But at the same time, we've said in many episodes before, sometimes when you actually get the historical relevance and explanation and actually do a tour, which they had plenty of them that we didn't do, you get a little bit more information. So I feel like maybe we could have enjoyed it more. So part of it is one, it was for sure overhyped, but secondly, we didn't take the initiative to do that. You think we would have learned our lesson by now and did a tour? Well, you know what? (laughs) We were thinking about doing one and we'll get to this a little bit later. They're very famous and known to do horse-drawn carriage tours throughout the city and we inquired about one and one of the people who was giving the tours did but they told us the cost and they said there's multiple companies that do it but they're all really the same cost and they said it was like 50 bucks per person and usually when we're on vacation you know we have the mentality like fuck it we're on vacation but i'll tell you what if they hit me with a 35 per person i could have been (laughs) down the 50 seemed a little too steep but maybe in hindsight we should have done it and gotten that historical relevance a good point maybe we should have done it but we all looked at each other like fifty dollars a person mm-hmm. mm, we're gonna pass but we did go through a park and the park was called white point gardens and i thought that park was pretty cool with like the cannons that were there that you could see and like there was a gazebo in the middle and then on the right hand side there was just a ton of really beautiful homes mm-hmm. I did like walking through that park and it also was a reprieve from the sun. Yeah, the trees were beautiful. The shade was amazing. And from there, we were just able to walk into some of the neighborhoods. We went down the street called Legree Street, and it has two pretty famous houses. One of them is known as the house with the pineapple gates, although they're not really pineapples. They're actually like pine cones. But those homes were just really beautiful. They had really nice gardens that you could look at. They were pretty well shaded. And then we also went to another home on that street that had like a famous sword gates with like these wrought iron spears on the entry gate. It was almost like the Game of Thrones throne, but on a gate. (laughs) (laughs) 
One thing I did see a lot of in Charleston that I'd never seen anywhere before is everywhere has these amazing porches. And I Mm -hmm. love that about the South, the porches on the house. So they'd be these huge houses with these long porches on the side of the house and a door or fence for the porch. Oh, yeah. But then the side of the porch was all open. It was like a random door. It wasn't a random door. It was the front door. And it looked like a front door to the home and you think you'd open it up. But if you looked at it from the side, the front door led to the The porch. porch. And then from the porch, clearly you get inside. So that was really unique. I had never seen anything quite like that before. Obviously, you know, the South has the wraparound porches and other stuff. But this was interesting how the front door led to the porch. Blew my mind. It was really cool, though. And that's one of the coolest things that I really did enjoy the most about Charleston was seeing the architecture. I mean, you have the history, you have the wealth, you have the different architectural styles. So it makes it for a really awesome, unique environment. Yeah. And I think Jamal mentioned earlier, we were able to pass some houses that had survived fires of like 1740 and 1778. That's pretty cool to see houses that have been built for so long, still standing and then have them avoid like major events. So once we saw 500 houses, we thought, (laughs) you know what, that was great. And now it's time to move on. This was probably my favorite thing that we did in Charleston. It was the Charleston City Market. I'm really glad we went to the Charleston City Market. It's four blocks and they're in these buildings, but they're kind of open air at the same time. So like it's covered, you have the shade, but you can like, they have big windows that look out to the street. It almost felt to me almost like a long horse stable, if you will, kind of like, you know, your normal framing that you would have. So you are walking on the inside, but again, open air if that kind of makes sense. But they were great. They had a lot of crafts, souvenirs. Jamal purchased a wallet. Kim purchased a wallet for her boyfriend. I almost impulse bought a cowhide rug. Oh my God. Almost. I I was there with Kim during that moment. I think you were off in the bathroom. We're looking at like one of the other stands and we were just like talking about it and was she going to get it? Was she not going to get it? And then ultimately she decided she wanted a fake fake one. one. Because yeah. it was going to like last longer than the And the I don't real want one. a real cow high rug in my house. I don't know what I was thinking. They were good looking. <laughs> they though. were beautiful. They were good looking though. But lots of cool stuff in there. I think I remember reading the placard talking about the Charleston City Market. I think it's the longest continuous market in the United States in the same spot. So that was really unique also. I mean, literally from the 16 yes. or early 1700s, this market has actually been there. That is so cool. 1600s and this market, they used to sell things you needed to survive the people that actually live there. Now it's all arts and crafts and some really cool ones, by the way, but that's really cool. We picked up our Christmas ornament from the Charleston City Market and they had other really cool things too. Like they had these boxes where they were like puzzles to figure out how to open them. Those were cool. That was pretty cool. They had a lot of different things that we saw there, but we got there probably around four o'clock. You could tell that people were already kind of starting to wrap up their day. Like some of the booths were putting away their stuff and it was like, well, the market's supposed to be open until like five. Again, five o'clock. So I did read, though, I think in the summer months, they do have a nighttime market that starts a little bit later. That might be cool to go to. It'd be cool. And probably they do it during the nighttime during the summer, because during the summer, it's probably hot as hell out there. So I have a theory about the 5 p.m. thing. Okay. So I don't watch the show Southern Charm, but I have heard podcast interviews with one of the lead ladies, and she's known for having her gin and tonic cocktails in the evening of her house. Mm -hmm. I think that might be a Southern thing, like evening cocktails at the, on your porch. So, you know, you got to close at five and go home for your evening cocktail. Got to get ready for those evening cocktails. It's almost like the siesta in Spain or something like that. Just like a tradition and you close or something for that. If there are any Southern listeners out there, can you please help us out with the five o'clock thing? Yeah. Why do you guys close at five? What's up with that? What do you do after five? Not judging. I just want to know why, right? (laughs) Hey squatties, we want to share one of our favorite travel products with you. Liquid IV is a category winning hydration brand fueling your well-being while traveling. One stick fits into 16 ounces of water to give you three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks and hydrates you two times faster than water alone. Their half ounce hydration multiplier powder packet is the one product you need in every suitcase, carry-on, and day pack. We use it while flying on planes because flights can be so dehydrating. We use it when we feel jet lagged, when we're out on a hike, and after a long night out that has us feeling worn out. 
In just one stick, you get five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, and vitamin C. Liquid IV also now comes in 12 delicious and refreshing flavors to keep your hydration routine exciting. Our favorites are the lemon lime and tangerine with immune support. It's made with premium ingredients, all non-GMO and gluten, dairy, and soy free. Get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use Travel Squad Podcast at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop better hydration today using promo code TRAVELSQUADPODCAST at liquidiv.com. Hey, squaddies. Let's take a quick detour to talk about our travel itineraries that we've created just for you. We just launched several new international trip itineraries, including Tulum and Japan. This is on top of the itineraries we already have for U.S. trips like the Hawaiian island of Kauai, the U.S. Virgin Islands, as well as national park trip itineraries, including Utah's Mighty Five National Parks and a week at Grand Teton and Yellowstone. These fully built out 20 to 30 page PDF guides are available for instant download on our site right now. Every detail of the trip is laid out for you. So all you have to do is download, book, show up and have fun. The itineraries tell you where to fly into, the exact route to take, where to stay, park entrance prices, where to eat, driving distance between attractions, the things to see and do, even the hikes we recommend, their mileage, and the time to allot for each one. And believe it or not, so much more. Be sure to head over to TravelSquadPodcast.com to download your very own comprehensive travel itinerary today. So from there, we ended up going to the pier, which was back where we originally started. And I'm really glad we went back to the pier because we didn't walk the pier the first time we were there, like at that park. But when we went back to the pier, we went to the very end and we noticed that they had these swinging benches and we had a ton of fun with that. We had a hoot on those (laughs) benches. Could you imagine if we were having our gin and tonic on those benches? Ooh, that would have been nice. We're going to get to this because that's one of the things you're really excited about, Kim, is supposedly Charleston has a real legit roof bar scene. So the, the drinking culture is there, but not in the drink and walk culture like Savannah had. But you're right. That would be a great place. And I think this is something the United States should really just embrace. I mean, they're really uptight about a lot of stuff that they do indifferently in like other countries. You know what I mean? I would go there for an evening cocktail and just bring my own drink and sit and walk and do all this and that. Like the U.S. needs to embrace allowing drinks in the park. They do. And, you know, in San Diego, we've kind of held on to the drinks to go thing since COVID. Mm -hmm. But our open alcohol laws are still the same. Right. You're not supposed to be drinking with your drink out there. But yet you can do drinks to go. So we just need to catch up. Also on the pier area, you'll see a set of raised placards and they illustrate the original colonial city wall and then how things have expanded and changed over time and over the centuries. That was really interesting to look at. Yeah, it was really cool because you could see the old city, what streets are obviously still there and original and then what they did with land reclamation where they filled and created land like out on the water. So that pier area we're at was clearly like man, well, the pier is obviously man-made, <laughs> but the land of where the park was and a couple other streets. It's almost like when we were in Chicago and they told us this is where the original lakefront was of Lake Michigan and then they've built everything like out, but you could see it in the placards like 3D out, which I thought was really, really cool, especially if you do like history. But that's what we did. Let's talk about the stuff that we didn't do that one, either we wish or knew, again, the timing issue and we would have done. That way our listeners know what to do. And we realize this after the fact is Charleston City itself there's not much else to do besides what we just said as in addition to eating and drinking. What we didn't realize is that there are a lot of other things to do just outside the city. 30 minutes, maybe about up to an hour or so. There's another Denver then. Kind <laughs> of, like, yeah. There's nothing to do in Denver, but everything is outside of Denver. Kind of. So one of the really cool things that we saw and it was on our list to do, but we just didn't realize it was 30 minutes outside the city and closed at five was that angel oak tree. Mm-hmm. This beautiful southern live oak tree that just had these crazy roots and it was super tall. They're estimating it to be like three to four hundred years old. Absolutely beautiful when it comes to trees that tree's got it and we couldn't see it. Yeah, it's a historical site. It's a big focal point for the city of Charleston's public parks. And they think it's the largest live oak tree east of the Mississippi. But again, it closed at five o'clock. And it's like, if it's a park, 
Why does it close at five? Why does it close? Yeah. Why does it even close? It's a tree. We did not understand that at all. So there is free entrance because it's a park. We Yet were they close the gates, apparently. Yeah, I know. It makes no sense to me. Another place that we've wanted to go to that we did not get to go to was called Cypress Gardens. And again, they also close at five. This place does charge an entrance fee of like $10 a person, but it's a really large preserve and garden and scenes of the notebook were filmed here. So you can actually get into a small little boat and paddle just like the scene with Noah and what was her name? I don't remember her name. It's been a while since I've seen The Notebook, but I know it's Rachel McAdams, what her character's name Iconic is. Iconic scene. But if you don't know what we're talking about, haven't seen The Notebook, or you just really don't even care about that, do yourself a favor and actually Google Cypress Gardens. Because again, you know, we've talked about this. Brittany does a lot of the planning. Same with Kim. I don't want to say I do a just show up type situation, but a lot of like the hidden stuff or really unique stuff that people know about, but it's not like at the forefront, you know, Brittany does more of the research on. So they told me this after the fact, like, oh shit. And then I Googled the photos and I was genuinely like so sad. It's one of the most serene things that I've seen. Like if you picture like a beautiful natural Southern park with like a stone made bridge, like arch bridge, plus like kind of like floodplain area where you can take that canoe out and the trees, it's really, really beautiful. Honestly, this intrigues me more than that oak tree, although that oak tree is pretty impressive too when you look at the branch formation of it. But I wish we got to see more of the outside nature of Charleston. And I thought I was doing great researching these places and what to do there. I was watching videos and I was writing things down. But where I messed up and I want all of you to learn from us is look at the hours and look at the distance from where you're going. Mm -hmm. It is a little bit more work to do that research, but it would pay off. It would have paid off if we had done that because we probably would have hit this or hit Angel Oak Tree in our way into Charleston. And I and maybe it, would have a whole different opinion. We could have a whole different opinion. It would have been cooler when we did our walking tour. So maybe we would have enjoyed it a little bit more because obviously anything in the heat's really going to kind of detract you from enjoying it as much as you can. So I do think there is potential. Do I think travel and leisure plus what we see on TikTok overrate the place? Sure. Is it worth a visit? And would I give it a second go? Absolutely. And one thing that we also didn't do that I really want to, we already kind of mentioned this, was Fort Sumner, which again, first shots of the Civil War fired at this location. It is a man-made island out in the Charleston Bay area. And again, it is an old fort, so you can go out and see it and do some of the historical tours, Civil War tour. So I think anything like that would have been really fun to do, but you can't drive there. I mean, you have to take a ferry. And by the time we were done doing our walking tour, going to the Charleston market, we just really didn't have the time it closed at five so did it close at five also (laughs) probably i mean everything (laughs) closed at five we also mentioned that we really wanted to do a professional walking tour to learn more about the history of the city and we were also drawn to the horse-drawn carriage tours but the price really turned us off maybe in hindsight now that would have been nice kind of toward dusk or golden hour to get in one of those and just kind of relax. I think even at night would have been really nice. Not even golden hour, like actually at night. Well, then you can't really see as much. You can't see, but I'm sure they have the nice street lamps and lights lit up. Well, that's one thing that I really liked about the South in general. A lot of these historic homes, they put like natural gas lines, but they kept them with like old lights, like literally the lantern flames were their lights, which I thought was really fucking cool, actually. So I I think it would have given it an ambiance, but you're right, maybe a little bit less to see at full night, but I think it would have been really, really cool. And again, one of those things in hindsight, don't make the same mistake as us. And I guess, you know, go ahead and pay it if you do like the history to just get that kind of context. The other thing, too, is we only spent one full day in Charleston. We didn't spend any more time. Had we had a half day more, we could have done the rest of our sites. You know, we could have gone to Cypress Gardens. We could have gone to Angel Oak Tree and done some other things. But we lacked a little bit in our planning situation there. Damn, we never lack in our planning. I know. So I don't know what was going on with Charleston here. But you know what? We did plan to some degree. And we should talk about this because one of our favorite things about travel 
is food and drink. So let's talk about the food and drink scene in Charleston. I kind of laid a hint on this earlier, Kim. We all know you love the rooftop bar. We all do for that matter, but they really get you excited. I know there was a lot of rooftop bars here. Which one did we choose? Why? And what was our overall opinion? Yeah. So again, TikTok was hyping up the rooftop bar scene in Charleston, the best rooftops in Charleston. And I was into the videos and they were looking good. One of the ones that came highly recommended and also one best rooftop in Charleston for many years in a row was the rooftop at the Vendue. The Vendue was a gorgeous hotel. The bathrooms in the lobby, you have to go in there. They were definitely Okay, an episode where we have to talk about the bathrooms. If you are a woman or a man or whatever you are, go into the men's restroom. (laughs) That is the one you want to see. I posted a story on it during the trip. So I guess when this episode airs, we'll have to actually do a legitimate post that's up there forever. But you know us, we love to talk about bathrooms. I love a unique bathroom. The urinals in the men's restroom (laughs) at the Vindu were quite unique. And, you know, we'll just save it for that and keep an eye out for the post. And if we don't post it and you're curious, DM us so we remind to remind (laughs) us to go ahead and post it for you guys. Send you a private image of the urinals. They're very cool. But back to the rooftop, we did go up there. There is tons of seating up there. It does have water views. It has city views. There are many different levels. It was extremely windy up there. Like I had to put my hair in a pony because it would have just been flying around my face. And we're only like five stories up, mind you. I mean, there's not skyscrapers in Charleston. These are historic buildings. And to keep the historic buildings looking good, you know, they have rules on how high and what buildings can look like. So we're only like a few stories up and it's still really, really windy up there. And you were commenting they need like a little glass screen Mm -hmm. thing to kind of hinder the wind. Yeah, you put the glass things up so the wind doesn't get in and doesn't disturb your rooftop experience. I'm not sure why they didn't get the memo on that one. Also, the views, probably the best views in Charleston. But compared to views I've seen on rooftop bars, I was let down. I was underwhelmed. Well, I keep telling Kim, like when you live in San Diego, when you travel to extravagant places, you see some of the best rooftop bars in the world. And then we go to like small cities and the rooftops just aren't going to be as great as what we're what we're. And this to. was the quote unquote best rooftop in Charleston for some odd years running. And I will say that the drinks that we got, I was happy with the drinks. The apps, though, were a little lacking. I felt like the pita bread chips and like the... Stale. Tortilla chips tasted a little stale for sure. So mm-hmm. overall, drinks were good. I think we could drinks all agree with that. And again, I think it's one of those things, knowing it going in, I do think it is worth going to uh, and experiencing the rooftop bar. But if you're comparing it to stuff and you just really don't realize it, then again, can lead to that little bit of underwhelming. You know, it's really funny as we're talking about this episode, if you'll harken back to our episode about Maui, and I feel like I was so let down because everyone like hyped up Maui, 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 and I'm just like, what the hell is everybody talking about? I think this and Charleston is your Maui, Kim. Is it not? I think so, because for years I wanted to go to Charleston so badly, and I thought it was going to be this southern charming city that I would love, and I just didn't. I mean, I liked it, but I didn't love it. Yeah, we also went to Rodney Scott's barbecue and this was hyped up so hard on TikTok for sure. And we even saw it in like other articles and Rodney Scott is famous and we were excited to go there. Well, not only that, he's like a James Beard Award winner and like minus getting a Michelin star, like getting a James Beard Award is like a really, really big deal. And not only that, he is known to be one of the most famous like pit masters in the U.S., let alone the world, I guess barbecue to an extent is obviously like a U.S. cuisine. So we'll just say for the U.S. for that matter. And really, really expecting a lot. And I'm not going to lie, like I was underwhelmed. I'm giving, giving the benefit of the doubt. Maybe we went on a bad day, but I don't understand no, the, the, the hype at all. The ribs did not fall off the bone. That's just a telltale sign of not under quality ribs. You know what I mean? They have to just easily pick off with a fork. And the sides were disappointing too. The Mac was 
not the best Mac I've ever had. The baked beans were fire. Yeah, actually the baked beans. But of all the different variety of sides that we did have, everything was a little underwhelming in that sense, except for the baked beans. Baked beans were bomb. But their banana pudding was good. Oh, the banana pudding was so good. That was very true. That is really, really good. And one of our favorite things to do when we go to different places is try the different localized barbecue styles. I mean, there's different styles. There's Texas style, Kansas City style, Carolina style, Tennessee style, right? And I don't think it was a style issue. And I'm sorry to knock on Rodney Scott, but just really, really let us down. So I would honestly say potentially uh give this one a pass like you can hear a lot about it but i don't think it's as good as people said it was there were a lot of other barbecue places in charleston and some of them even had free desserts but we did not go to them because again you can only eat and drink so much in a single day and there's a lot of other places we would like to eat at but we did not I think Texas barbecue is my favorite type of barbecue. That's right. Texas barbecue. <laughs> Texas barbecue is good. Although we do have a hometown friend who travels a lot. He loves his food. Our good friend James. And he travels a lot for work. He was just in Kansas City. Food connoisseur. And he said Kansas City barbecue is the best. And yep. our friend James knows food. So I'm excited <laughs> to get to Kansas City and actually try that barbecue. But as it stands now, Texas, Texas barbecue, barbecue is the best barbecue. There were some other places that we saw that we should try. One of them was called Husk. And what's cool about Husk is they change their menu pretty seasonally. And it's locally sourced Southern dishes. And the restaurant is a restored Victorian era home. So that's pretty cool. Why don't we go to Husk? Like, I feel like a lot of the stuff I'm just cheering about now, I could have done Husk over barbecue. Well, we wanted to do barbecue in the Carolinas. By the way, Rodney Scott was your pick of the day. It was because everybody was always talking about that one. And on top of that, beforehand, I actually knew the name Rodney Scott as being a very, very famous pit master on top of that. So I did choose it. But, uh, you know, there was also dinner. And I think we didn't didn't eat dinner because when we went to the rooftop bar you ladies wanted to get appies and then the well, appies were disappointment and it turned out to be kind of different and we too. ate rodney scott kind of late in the day and that's it was very big. true that's very true but husk as we're talking about it now i think has a lot of potential and so i would be all about that there was another place to go grab drinks it was called cane rum bar and it's a caribbean rum spot because rum was a drink of choice in the colonial times so i would go back and check that out as well there was also one other rooftop bar that was very notable. It's called the Citrus Club, one of the other best rooftops in Charleston. I looked at the pictures online, looks very similar to the Vindu. So that's what you're probably going to get. But hey, I would have liked to try it out. Off the topic of food, because as we're kind of closing out, getting close to questions of the week here again, we only really spent one day in Charleston. So we're giving you like our honest, honest assessment about it. At the end of the Charleston market, like when you end it, you're very close, like one block over from King Street, which is a very famous area to do some shopping. I would almost consider it to be Charleston's like Rodeo Drive, so to speak, like really famous shopping district. And even that kind of underwhelmed me a little bit. You know, we were there. I'm just like, eh. So again, I think, and I'm going to be fair, we needed a historical tour, at least for us. That's what really gets us more engaged in the city. And we did ourselves to some degree a disservice. There was also Camellia's. It is a pink champagne bar inside the Hotel Bennett, a luxury hotel. We did go in there and kind of scope it out because we were considering going in, but it also looked underwhelming. Yeah, it really did. I mean, it was cute, but it was small and and it it was overpriced. It was, I mean, obviously it was in a luxury hotel, but for being hyped as this pink luxury champagne bar, like the chandelier was gorgeous, but the pink factor I thought could have been bumped up. Well, not only that, it was kind of in the lobby area on the first floor. You put this on the rooftop, Kim, or on a higher level, if it's not the rooftop, like it could have had a little bit better of an ambiance. Now, we know Kim loves the high tea situation. They had a high tea there. I could have potentially done that Mm -hmm. over their champagne Mm -hmm. tasting. But even their high tea, for example, when I actually saw their foods and snacks that came with it, like I wasn't necessarily too impressed. I would have still probably done it. But again, having eaten a lot, we didn't do it. But uh, it looked like it could leave some to be desired. So if you've actually been, let us know because I'm genuinely intrigued 
to see what the quality is of that. Would you guys go back to Charleston? I think yes. And I would do the things that we didn't do. The horse-drawn carriage, the history tour, the angel oak tree, the cypress grove. Ferry to Fort Sumner. Maybe that too. <laughs> I, I mean, I would want to do that. I think that's actually pretty cool. I kind of regret that we didn't do that. So, But I would not go back specifically to see Charleston. Only if it was like added on to another experience in the area or... Mm-hmm someone else really wanted to go and it or a conference was there i don't know something like that well we've all talked about going to hilton head which is a very famous oh, beach yes. resort area in south carolina and what's the one to the north of charleston myrtle, myrtle beach. beach so if we were to maybe do like the beach stuff oh, and then yeah. trying to give it another go i could be down but you're right i wouldn't make a special trip to go back to charleston mm-hmm. i would agree so kim i think it's your favorite time of the episode Woo! questions of the week all right we have two questions this week thank you guys first question is what other southern cities are on your travel list i have a few actually i'll go first charlotte north carolina i really want to see charlotte well don't but you did you went there we flew out of charlotte oh okay okay well um, well we didn't really go to the downtown area and stuff like that so i don't really know but from what we saw like I don't think it's going to have that charm of what you would equate really to the South, like Savannah or anything like that. Okay. So I don't necessarily consider Florida the South, even though obviously it is, but St. Petersburg, Florida, I've heard really good things about, and I really want to go there. I've also heard good things about St. Augustine as well. Yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. Our friend Leah, who was on part of this trip with us, she's moving there. What other cities do you have? Louisville, Kentucky. Louisville. Louisville. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't really know what other ones. I mean, I feel like Savannah set the bar really, really high and anywhere else can maybe be disappointing. I know this is the South, but not really maybe what people consider to be the South, almost like we were talking about Florida. Brittany and I have been to New Orleans. I would love to go back again and spend a little bit more time out there and kind of give that a go. And not necessarily for the party aspect or French Quarter, not to say that I wouldn't go partake and, you know, have a good time, but it experienced more of the food. We didn't really get to do any like history tours or anything like that. Mm -hmm. I know they're famous for like a cable car. Well, it's not like a cable car like San Francisco, but like one of the little trolley cars that that line up the street. You went there when you went to New Orleans. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I would love to do that. So I heard Baton Rouge is cool too nearby. Yeah, I would love to go ahead and explore a little bit more of New Orleans because we were only there one weekend, one time, like with my family. And granted, we were younger. Brittany wasn't even 21 yet. So as adults, like I truly, truly want to explore it. I've never been to Alabama, so I want to mark that state off my list, like Birmingham or Montgomery. Like, you know, there's a lot of history there, too. And I would like to see. Well, let me tell you something, Kim. Believe it or not, Brittany was about to throw Birmingham, Alabama into our South Road trip and (laughs) seek, even though it was a little bit out of the way. And then we looked at what there is to do in Birmingham. And then we decided to not add it. So if any of you listeners out there are either from Birmingham or have been and have really good recommendations of stuff to do that's really unique, that's not going to show up as like best to do, because when we Google that, didn't really find anything, let us know, because obviously I want to find a reason to go there. I hear Mm -hmm. Mobile, Alabama also has some intrigue too, because now you're on the actual coast and the Gulf and other stuff like that. And that's actually where Mardi Gras actually started in Mobile, Alabama. Really? Mm-hmm. Moved over to the big city, huh? Yeah. Somehow they got the claim to fame when it started Mobile. Look at that. Uh, Alabama's getting robbed over here. So one city that I want to visit in the South is Chattanooga, which oh, is yeah. in Southern Tennessee. It's kind of like on the border of Tennessee and then Georgia. Uh, I hear it's a really cute town. I really do want to go there and explore more of that area. I'm really into nature and like mountains and forests and all of that. And so I think that whole area between like Chattanooga and Asheville would be really fun to explore because you're probably going to be driving a lot of like the Blue Ridge Parkway, which is really nice, very scenic drive. So I think that area is the most appealing to me. I would give Charlotte another chance because we really didn't stay like in the city but from what we saw I wasn't it's not like high high on my list and I would also go into like Myrtle Beach and Hilton Head for sure 
Okay. You know, as we explore more and more of the country, we're knocking off all these places. And it's like, I don't want to say running out of places, but it's getting smaller and smaller. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and at least for me, I know I've mentioned on many episodes, like U.S. cities, it takes a lot for them to really intrigue me, at least. I feel like a lot of our domestic travel in the U.S. is catered to around going to national parks, because at least for me and Brittany, you know, we're more nature people. But there are several obvious standout cities. So of the standout cities that we've been to and other ones that we haven't, you're right. That list for me, at least, is feeling like it's getting smaller and smaller. I have an idea. I'm ready to hear it. So you know how when you go to a city and you know someone that lives there, you have infinitely more fun than if you didn't know that person there? Yeah. Because they show you around. They tell you the cool places. Well, Airbnb does experiences where you can get a tour from a local. I would love to do that, especially in one of these cities that doesn't seem as like a New York City or Chicago, one of these smaller places. Get a local to give us a tour. And then see how it impacts our trip. Yeah, that's a good idea, Kim. I, I never really thought of that. And I think that might be a good way to explore a smaller city where you're not quite sure what to do, but you know you want to explore it. There is so much cool stuff to do in every city. But if you're just getting there, you don't know where to go, what to do. You don't know what you don't know, right? Or we can have our squatties in their locales show us around. How about that? Yeah, you know, I would love for some of our listeners to be like, hey, I'm from here. If you're ever in the area, let's meet up. I would love to show you around the city because that would be one, a good way to engage with you guys as our listeners get great content and then learn about you and your city. That sounds like an amazing idea. If any of you want to give us a tour, hit us up. Question number two. What other things are there to do if you're coming for a weekend trip into Charleston? So we talked about the few, the nature stuff, the park and the tree outside, but there are a couple other things. Most notably, I would say, because we did it on this trip, we're not going to talk about it in full depth in this episode. We are going to have an upcoming episode talking about it. Congaree National Park is not very far from Charleston and also in South Carolina. Just a couple hours driving away from Charleston, and it is a park that, one, you don't have to pay for, two, really cool and lesser known. Lesser known, I think, of the national parks in the lower 48. And by that, I mean, I guess, you know, Alaska, you know, obviously is very remote, so less people go. But of what's here on the contiguous 48, I think you said, Brittany, it's the least visited national park, is it not? It's one of the least visited national oh, okay. parks. It's, not, it's like the 12th least visited, I think. And it's free. And it's very unique in terms of its environment of what Congaree National Park is protecting. So I would say if you're there for a weekend, have more time to explore outside the city because you don't need more than a few hours in Congaree. And then on your way back in, you could hit out those things on the outskirts that we said that we missed that close early at five o'clock. So I think that would be something good to do and keep an eye out or an ear out, I should say, for that future episode talking about Congaree. I think it's either going to be one of the next or following ones. Am I not? Mistaken, ladies? I think it's in a few. In a few. Coming right right. up. That's right. And then I would also recommend making it a long weekend so you can see Savannah too. There you go. Look at that. I love it, Kim. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Like either go up to Myrtle Beach or go south, go to Hilton Head or go to Savannah. We didn't go to Tybee Island, but I would have loved to go to some of the islands around like the Savannah area. So there's a lot that you can do to add on to your weekend trip to Charleston. All right, squaddies, that is Charleston for you. Thank you so much for tuning into our episode this week. Keep the adventures going with us by following us on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube at Travel Squad Podcast. And send us in your questions for next week's episode. If you found the information in this episode to be useful, or if you thought we were just plain funny, please be sure to share it with a friend that you know would enjoy it too. And as always, guys, you know it. Please subscribe, rate, and review our podcast, and tune in every Travel Tuesday for new episodes. Stay tuned for next week's episode. We have some more amazing adventures and tips in store for you. Bye, Bye, Squatties. Squatties.